Hi, this is Mike McDonald back with a podcast. Not had one in probably a few months, I would say. Um, just uh, time, I suppose. Spring season for me as a soccer coach here in Tennessee is completely nuts. I have uh, my academy, I have my all my son's football, soccer that uh, he plays. I have my high school team, um, I have all, and my job and my family and everything else. So apologies for those of you who have uh, been waiting for another podcast. Um, it's not because I haven't wanted to do it. It's I'm normally up until the wee hours of the morning just doing the blog, let alone uh, squeezing uh, this in and making it worthwhile. Um, so anyhow, uh, first one back I just wanted to make about uh, potential uh, incomings. Uh, I'm not sure that that is the topic right now. It certainly isn't actually. It's it's about winning the league and whether we're nervous and what we're going to do about that. Um, but um, everybody's talking about the same thing. So I thought I'd talk about something a little different and just mention some uh, some names and talk about them for a few minutes. Uh, and interestingly, I have a feeling that we're going to be signing and selling more players than people realise. And off the back of a potential uh, title win, you wouldn't think that we would have to change much. And you almost wouldn't want to change much. But um, I don't think that the club is going to get complacent. I think that they... They're going to keep the players on their toes. One of the biggest problems when you win something, as you probably know, is winning it again because of the motivation of the players. Some of them will just rub their hands together and say, well, I did it. I've done it. I've won the Premier League and I'm satisfied. And that's fine. That's fine. We'd be satisfied if we won the Premier League too and got a medal and at the end of our career said, well, once we won the Premier League. And some people are not driven to keep winning. So... Arteta's going to have to figure out who those players are um, pretty quickly because things will change next season. It won't be uh, about uh, the previous season and and our achievement if we do win the league, uh, but it'll be about who can sustain and who's got that motivation. And motivation motivation is going to be the key, I think, next season. So I think competition drives motivation. So we're going to have to make sure that our squad is as deep as possible and that the players feel competition. So let's dive straight into this. Uh, the first one, let's start at the, in a logical order, so let's start with goalkeeper. Well, Arsenal have an interesting situation that no one's talking about, doesn't really matter a whole lot, certainly not right now, but you know, Matty Turner had a fantastic World Cup and I do wonder if he's going to keep his place in the US national team if he's not first choice somewhere. He is right now, so uh, I'll be surprised if he leaves because he's keeping his place and um, that will be important to him. There's always a lot of competition in this country, in the United States, for that position. Uh, As you're probably aware, uh, the uh, goalkeepers that have been produced by the United States over the years have been uh, better than the field players, generally speaking, probably because kids over here are raised by playing sports with their hands more than their feet. 
Um, so I think that that would make you feel that way. Um, so I just wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And I do wonder as and when uh, Turner does decide he needs regular f- uh, football, whether the club will just uh, bring back a conquo. Um, Carl Hine is doing quite well, certainly an expert from uh, the spot saving penalty kicks, but a conquo, as my son regularly reminds me, has more man of the match uh, awards on FootMob, which if you do not have the app FootMob, you need to get it um, if you want to keep up with Maxwell McDonald because it tells you everything about everything in the world of football. And uh, and it'll tell you how many man of the matches Arthur Okonkwo has had. Uh, and he's currently on loan in Europe. And I should have been more prepared to tell you exactly where. And if Max walks in, he'll be able to tell us. But he was at Crewe, did extremely well, and then got moved up. I think he's in the Belgian league. Um, anyway, so I do wonder if that's the long-term plan, is to keep Matt Turner for two or three years until Okonkwo is ready. So, moving on. Right back. Um, well, hmm. The Tomiyasu situation is going to be interesting because not only do we have to deal with providing competition for next season, but we've got to keep an eye on those players that haven't been particularly reliable in their Arsenal careers injury-wise. Um, Thomas Partey is one, unfortunately, Go on to him in a minute. Smith Rowe is another, and Tommy Yasu is the third. There might be others, but so I wonder what the club think about Tommy Yasu. I have a a feeling we might just leave the left back thing for right now and use him as a alternate at left back. Uh, we can all see he's two footed. He plays on the left side of the centre of defence for the national team. Uh, the last time he played left back for us, he did extremely well, and he's done it a few times and done very well. So I wonder if, uh, and I'm saying all of this because I think Tierney's definitely leaving. Uh, I just get the feeling that maybe it's a bit of a homesickness, actually. Um, I just get that feeling with him. And moving to Newcastle, which I really think is going to happen, is just a whole lot closer to home for him. And he'll be able to go home more regularly than uh, living in London. Um, So I do think that that'll happen. And I think that's a way for Arsenal to recoup some a chunk of money. Some of the other players we sell are probably not going to big, um, sorry, bring as big of a chunk as as he will. But um, I think he has just not been used to being second choice in his career. Wherever he's played, Scotland and Celtic, he's been so highly valued, and at Arsenal too. Um, and at the point where he's been the captain everywhere, as well as. So I, th- I do think that'll happen. I think we may lean into Tommy Yasu. Um, so uh, the only left-back that I'm sort of wondering uh, about, there's been a couple talked of, Ike Norrie at Wolves, especially if they get relegated, he'll be cheaper. Just not sure about him. Uh, but Balde, Alejandro Balde at, at Barcelona, is extremely highly rated. And Barcelona are going to have to stop messing around thinking they can keep all of their players in such financial turmoil. They're going to have to sell some. So if some decent money comes in for a player like Balde, who's a, who's a young player, would fit our squad that way and, and so highly talented. Um, and versatile too, can play further up the field on the left-hand side. That's one to keep an eye on. Uh, on the right side, uh, the rumours 
have primarily circulated around um, Sasha Bowie uh, at uh, Galatasaray. And he's a very different player to Ivan Fresneda, who's at Valladolid in Spain. And both of those have been talked about. Fresneda was talked about in January uh, for Arsenal and other clubs too. Um, He is uh, a youngster. Uh, I believe he's 18, 19 years of age and um, a very mature player uh, who has been relied upon to be a starter for his club um, for quite a while now and uh, physically very mature as well uh, and extremely comfortable on the ball and so would fit into Arteta's system that way um, and also um, he'd have plenty of time uh, as long as he was patient enough at Arsenal to wait, learn, watch Ben White and others, Tommy Asu, to see how you play with this uh, team and, and in the Premier League in England. So uh, he's an option. Now, Bowie is different, depending on whether we want our fullback to invert, which I think Fresneda um, would do, and maybe the reason we were interested in him. Uh, Bowie's more of a traditional, athletic, quick, skillful right back. And so I suppose it depends on what we want. Do we want an alternative to Ben White, somebody who's different? Because there's value in offering different, especially offensively, because then your opponent doesn't know what you're doing. Denzel Dumfries has been talked about. uh, And boy, is he a very, very interesting prospect going forward, as you probably are aware he's one of the top scoring uh, fullbacks in world football, uh, but that's more as a wing back uh, where he's allowed to go forward. Defensively, not so. Not sure we would put up with that, as we had to do with Tavares, who was very good going forward and just not a serious defender. Um, but Sasha Bowie is one to, to look at, and then, of course, we're going to have to keep an eye on what we already have, and Rule Walters is the one that's trusted right now. That one cannot be discounted. Norton Cuffey hasn't been quite as good on loan um, as he was at the beginning of his loan. Hasn't been trusted quite as much, but has a wonderful profile. Okay. Uh, Centre-back. Well, sort of depends how deep we want it. Uh, Do we want to keep Rob Holding? Um, And what type of player we're looking at. For the longest time, I think Evan and Dicker, who's a left-footed centre-back, was being looked at by the club, but then we went for Kivior, so I think he's probably ruled off the list, and, and the list of clubs that want him is huge because he's a free transfer in the summer and he's perfect age uh, profile. So, um, But the talk right now is of Garcia at Barcelona, and I think everybody is sceptical because when he was at Manchester City... You know, I think everybody just gets nervous like they have done with Lisandro Martinez at United because he's smaller. But as we all know, with smaller uh, centre-backs watching Piol for years at Barcelona, they often have other qualities that are far, far superior than the taller centre-backs have. Um, And they're either more aggressive, quicker, or they're very good with their feet. Now, Garcia um, falls into two of those categories. 
he really is more of a midfielder. In fact, he played for Barcelona this weekend as a midfielder. He's so adept with the ball and to play in the midfield at Barcelona. Let's not forget that of all teams probably in world football in our lifetime, that is a huge compliment if you play any minutes in that midfield just because of the culture of that club and what they value in their midfielders. So um, I'm not surprised that we are apparently looking at him. Of course, he has the versatility to play right back, which he did for City and has done for Barcelona as well. So that's a very interesting one. And he's a very smart guy and he's played in the Premier League. And I think of all these players, I think what we might find actually happens is that we will sign more players with Premier League experience than not. And I think that's part of what's been successful. And if you look at uh, some of the signings we've made and maybe the gambles we've taken, small gambles like Tavares and Laconga that haven't, that have looked like very talented players and probably talented enough to play for Arsenal, but hasn't quite worked out, maybe due to uh, adaptation. So uh, I think we'll, we'll see that. So now, okay, now this is getting interesting. Um, and this is where it's going to get into the world of maybe you wondering what on earth I'm talking about, but I fear that the rumours over Declan Rice and Moises Caicedo, um, both of them, Arsenal being interested heavily in both of them, is actually because Arsenal may bring both of them in. And you might be thinking, well, why on earth do we need four very good defensive midfielders? Because we don't, and we're retaining El Nenny, which is true. He's got an extension of one year. Well, I've got a couple of thoughts, and they're not necessarily happy, uh, and I don't want to um, be too specific, but I think you'll know what I'm talking about. There was a situation with a player in the Premier League last summer that came out and then sort of faded away, um, an off-the-field situation, lots of speculation, and um, I am hoping that... How can I word this? I'm hoping that Thomas Partey um, can play football and will stay in England and will stay at Arsenal next season. But I do wonder if the Declan Rice thing in particular isn't just seen as an alternate. I've got a feeling he might be taking over, unfortunately, because I personally think that Thomas Partey is the best defensive midfielder in world football right now, considering how good he is both sides of the ball. Um... But uh, as much as I love transfers and love looking at players in world football, I keep coming back to the same player, which is the player that Arsenal have come back to, which is Declan Rice. Because he sits right in that pocket of being young enough, but not too young to hold the responsibility to play as a single pivot, which is important. That player has so much responsibility and has to be really, really good when you play with two eights higher up the field and essentially one midfielder behind the ball. And there's not many that can do it, and he's proven that he can do it playing on a lesser team consistently and at the highest level, playing internationally. So I think that one will happen, and I think the Caicedo one, interestingly, might just be much like 
Um, I'm forgetting which Chelsea coach moved N'Golo Conte to play as an eight. But I do wonder if that's the idea with Caicedo, not so much to be a defensive midfielder like he is at Brighton, but to be um, a pressing eight, somebody... You see Odegaard on the right, he is the pressing trigger on the right-hand side and he goes and everybody follows. You can probably visualise that. And we don't quite have that athleticism um, on the other side of the field with Xhaka. But if you had somebody like Kante, Caicedo, that could do that on the other side of the field, you know, there's so much in the modern game that comes from dispossessing and focusing on dispossessing and transitions rather than what you're going to do when you have the ball and you're settled. So I've got a feeling that Arteta wants to go to another phase and make Arsenal even more effective with their press that's so well organised, best press in the league, one of the best in Europe, very hard for teams to get around. We rarely get counted on um, to where if you think about how many times this season you've thought that we've, we are playing the wrong formation, I bet you haven't. Well, that you don't think that because what he's structured and the way we're doing it by taking offensive risks, by pressing the ball high up the field has worked. But there are better players at that. And I wonder if that's Caicedo. And forgive me for being a little focused on players from one club here, but I have just come off uh, the couch watching AC Milan destroy Napoli 4-0 in Naples. And that's a Napoli team who were 19 points clear. A very good Napoli team, but AC Milan ripped them to shreds. And there are many players on that Milan team that could potentially end up at Arsenal and have been talked about. Um, so I'm going to talk about a couple. Ishmael Benacer was at Arsenal. He was in our academy. Our memory of him, if you want to go back to that horrendous night, I think it was against Sheffield Wednesday in the Cup, when Arsene Wenger played a much weakened team and Benacer was in that team. That's my only memory of him at Arsenal. But he's a, um, a totally different player now. Um Sort of Santi Cazorla-ish. Gosh, that's a that's a big statement, isn't he? He's my favourite ever Arsenal player. Um, but there's that thought of having a uh, a smaller playmaker um, who can twist and turn out of danger like Santi Cazorla did. Uh, Tonali's an interesting one. Looks like Hector Bellerin's um, younger brother. And um, boy, is he tenacious. Fantastic ball winner. Um, not a particularly big guy, but a fantastic ball winner and very quick in his distribution. Uh, another AC Milan midfielder. Um, and, and there has, was talk last season. The one that I love, 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 just because I see Arteta's Arsenal as a flexible team now, um, versatile team, should I say, uh, and a team that the opponent's coach has a hard time figuring out who's playing and who's playing where. You see what he's doing with our front line and it's not always easy to know who's playing where, particularly in-game. You see the line-up and it's often, you know, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli, that part's simple. But in-game it changes. Well, you have to have players that are capable of 
uh, of changing and moving into different areas. And my favourite player in Europe for years and years and wanted Arsenal to take him from Fulham was Zambo Anguissa. And Zambo Anguissa is one of the reasons that Napoli are going to win Serie A. He is a fabulous player. And I remember, I remember vividly watching him at Fulham one day, sitting on the couch, watching him and then messaging uh, Clive Palmer from Arsenal Vision and sending him videos of Anguissa when he'd just broken into that Fulham team and, and, and telling Clive, watch this, watch this guy, how quickly he moves the ball and the fact that he can do everything that's needed in that position. Defensively, he's got the perfect physical frame. Uh, offensively, he moves the ball so quickly he can accelerate through the play himself with the ball. And he's now playing as an eight for Napoli. He's not playing behind the ball, but he can play in either of those positions highly competently. And I can't believe that Napoli are paying him too much. They got him from Fulham and he's played in the Premier League and there's no rumours about him. But boy, oh boy, would that be an intelligent um, option for Arsenal to go for here. Um, So there's some defensive midfielders for us to think about. Now just wanted to uh, talk about the eights, the uh, attacking midfielders. We've been wanting to move on from from Granite Xhaka for for years probably. I have, I think many people have, even though he's had very good seasons the last, I think maybe three seasons, he's done very well. Um, you, you still have that thought every summer of, can he keep doing it? Probably not just because of his age, because he's not too old he's right around 30 isn't he um coming up but just the fact that he seems unbreakable and you think at some point he's going to break he plays so much football plays every game for Switzerland he plays essentially every game for Arsenal and you kind of think that that's going to have to slow down so well here's some options um Again, watching that Milan game, I tuned in because Maxwell wanted me uh, to watch mainly, but also because Milan has so many players that we're being linked with. And Brahim Diaz was one, which is really interesting. Of course, he's played briefly in the Premier League for City, um, but just couldn't break into their midfield for obvious reasons. And I think he was man of the match tonight. Boy, he was excellent. Um, uh, I'm not sure I'd have called him man of the match because he was excellent in the first half and then okay in the second, but but that's a very, very talented ball carrier. Uh, similar to Odegaard, not anywhere near as consistent and consistently influential as Martin Odegaard is, as, who is really the conductor of our team and being given the, the baton because uh, he doesn't just do it once in a while. He, he does it consistently, but one to keep an eye on. A lot of talk of Gabri Vega. From Celta Vigo, another very similar player, a little small diminutive, jinky attacking midfielder uh, who Real Madrid are interested in. I think all the big clubs are interested in and could be one of the next stars in Europe. Check him out. Uh, Arsenal are showing interest, allegedly, and there's no doubt he's exciting. Um, Not sure we're going to go for that profile, which moves me on to the profile I think Arsenal will actually go for, which is an all-rounder and somebody who 
is physically more capable in the duels. Uh, so I just try to get my clues from what Mikel Arteta said when he first came to Arsenal. Because if you pay attention to what coaches say when they first come, they're asked questions about what their um, their perfect team looks like, what their style looks like, uh, those kinds of things. And they'll uh, give you some ideas of what they want this project to look like. And I remember Arteta talking about the Premier League forcing you to have dual winning monsters, I think was the phrase that he used. And that's been proven to be accurate. And if you look at Thomas Partey, who is that, um, if you look at Jacques and the fact that he's played consistently, uh, he's that as well. So I think Arsenal will go for somebody who is a dual winning monster, a physical beast. But here is the comparison to Granite Xhaka. Um, prior to this Saturday, when was the last time Granite Xhaka scored a header? Well, period, scored a header. And if there's a weakness in his game, it's not that he has a weakness in his ability to head the ball. Defensively, he heads out loads of balls. But when he scored that fourth goal, I'm sure I wasn't the only one that was thinking, wow, wish he would do that more. And I've been saying that on my blog all season, probably for a couple of seasons, that we lack a target man option. Arsenal don't have that. It's the only profile in our squad that we don't have is the target man option. And there have been the odd game where we look like we're a little stumped. And in those games, if you had... I was I was hoping that we would try to get Olivier Giroud back just as an alternative to come in off the bench because I don't think there's anyone in world football who's better at what he does. And there are some games where you just need somebody who's big, strong, can hold it up, let you breathe, let, let you regain control of the game. Um, and offer that aerial threat when playing on the ground has just been shut down. And let's remember this. If we win the league or don't win the league, playing Arsenal in future years is going to be an experience of defence against attack more than we've seen for decades. There's going to be so many buses parked. So we're going to have to offer the aerial threat. So I'm trying to think that way. And I'm dancing around telling you that I, that the rumours of Sergei Milinkovic-Savic at Lazio and I know I think he's 28, not the perfect age, but in his prime, and now available after years and years of being touted as a 100 million euro player plus, um, he's almost out of contract, and I think he's going to be available on the cheap. And if you're want, wanting somebody now, I think the only risk you're taking with him is whether he adapts to the Premier League. Um there is the view that in the long term, Arsenal have, whether it's Yanieri or whether it's Patino, that they're seeing in that position in the future. But that's just not going to happen next season, not as a starting option. So I think that Milinkovic-Savic, who is a wonderfully technical footballer for a big eight, 
but offers such a powerful aerial threat. And think about Odegaard's cross to Xhaka and think about how many times that's happened this season. Let's say for the sake of argument that it's happened once, maybe twice. I think we need to offer that more. If you don't have a target man as your centre-forward, you have to offer an aerial threat from another area. When you are attacking in general play, forget about set plays, in general play, you can't just be a team that offers the ground threat. Otherwise, you become too easy to defend against long-term. You've got to offer both. So that third-man run from Milinkovic-Savic into the box, I think, in Arteta's mind, is part of the missing link. And I think he wishes that Granit Xhaka had um, picked up on that maybe a little bit more. Hard to criticise Granit Xhaka this season because, boy, has he been good. But there's that. The only other thing that we're missing is that consistent threat, shooting threat from outside the box, which would lean towards going for Tielemans on a free. And if, for example, we were to try to bring in two expensive players, let's say Rice and Caicedo, just for the sake of bringing out two players that are going to come close to uh, to 200 million, um, then a, uh, a free option is going to have to probably come in one of the other positions. Now, I'm um, going back on what I said about Caicedo. I think he might possibly come in as an eight, but that's just me guessing. But anyway, Tielemans either way is an option if we need to buy uh, a top player for nothing. And normally top players have higher wages, but I don't think that he honestly would argue um, about getting perhaps 80, 90, possibly 100,000 a week, which is uh, a mid-range weekly paycheck at Arsenal just to get on Arsenal's team and not have to play for a team that could honestly be relegated. So I think he would have motivation. Um, The only other one that I just wonder about, just don't see it happening, is Gundogan. I think he's leaving... And just after the success of Jesus and Zinchenko, I just don't see Manchester City selling him to Arsenal. But I think he might be the most underrated player in the Premier League. And we have a few of those. But he is such a good footballer, so versatile, and such a true goal threat from that number eight position. Um, Anyway, two more positions. Uh, A backup for Saka and the potential target man option. So, I've got a few players as a potential backup for Saka. Well, of course, as I've thought for years, you've got to position Smith Rowe, or I wonder if he's going to be sold. I do wonder that. Um, and uh, Or maybe Smith Rowe just becomes the ultimate impactor, substitute impactor, they're called now at Arsenal, uh, where he can come on in any of the forward positions, which he can, and make an impact as a false nine, as playing on the right, playing on the left. And we have a few of those. But um, the rumours still persist. Lindstrom at Leverkusen, uh, the Danish player, extremely quick, wonderful weight of pass and creativity, 
doesn't look like a good footballer. So when you look at him, you think, mm, looks like a scrawny British schoolboy, actually. Um, spotty, freckly, whatever. And doesn't give me much confidence when I look at him. But it's not about that, is it? Um, he would be a cheaper option. And, of course, he would be somebody that would come in and surely not be demanding and upset at being a squad option. And when you have such a wonderful team dynamic, let's not forget that we have to be so careful in our recruitment. Uh, I was thinking today, what if a player, what if somebody like Mbappe, um, his agent was to call Arsenal and say, well, he might be available and he'd be interested in coming because we are now the Premier League winners, let's say, and we're in the Champions League and we're looking like the trendy cool club, right? And he would like to join. I'm just not so sure about that. Um, that might sound like madness, right? But you bring a player like that into an environment where you have a true team at Arsenal where no one player you could say is the star in as much as they act that way. It would be really hard to accommodate a player like that with that level of ego. Um, so I think they're going to have to be very careful what character they bring in because trying to break into Arsenal's front line is going to become very difficult. Uh, Musa Diaby, uh, also at Leverkusen. And actually I'm debating, is Lindstrom even at Leverkusen? Forgive me if I've got that wrong, but Musa Diaby certainly is. And he's left-footed, one of the fastest players in Europe. Um, can play left and right, plays more on the right. Devastating player, had a great season, good statistics. Be delighted, but he would be very expensive. But you never know. And here is maybe the surprise of the podcast. Um, I have this sneaky feeling that Arsenal might be very cheeky this summer and have a chat with Mudrick's agent. Because he clearly wanted to come to Arsenal, I um, have a sense that he was as good as forced to go to Chelsea. It was, there was a political thing happening there with Abramovich being in the background of that club, but still influential. And the situation uh, with the countries over in the Eastern Bloc and I think that there was that might be a Netflix documentary one day, a player who so clearly wanted to go to one club at the eleventh hour went to another one and didn't look very happy, couldn't perform, was moved around position to position. Now having just sacked their coach, maybe he will start to flourish under a different coach. But I do want Arsenal was so keen on Mudrik and spending so much money on somebody that wasn't even necessarily going to start probably wouldn't have certainly not to start with but should Arsenal go back if he's unhappy and Chelsea just want to cut their losses and say well we don't want an unhappy player for eight years or whatever ridiculous contract they gave him and we get a cut price fee I personally would be all for that I'm not one that ever holds a particular grudge about a player for choosing one or the other and I do think that Maybe he was somewhat bullied into going to Chelsea. So not necessarily his fault. Um, okay, centre forward. Finishing up. 
Thank you for sticking with it. I know it's hard to listen to one person's voice for however many minutes this has been. And um, Anyway, here's four contenders. They're talking about Osherman at Napoli. That one is hard to believe, uh, not because of the cost so much, but he his career looks like it's just going up, 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 and it coming to a club like Arsenal that have a centre forward has been who has been so pivotal um to our mentality probably first, but our energy, our team concept of forwards rather than just relying on one player like City have been this season and I'm talking about Gabriel Jesus, I just struggle to think of bringing in a player that will just replace him. I see more a target man as being an option based on game state. So there's Vlajevic, we've been interested in him. He's unhappy at Juventus. Um, There's Calvert-Lewin, who would be the cheapest of all the options, I would imagine, because he's not had a good season. But there's clearly potential there, and he's of a good age, knows the Premier League. I would be very concerned about his off-the-field life and bringing a, a guy who loves fashion as much as he does to the city of London. I'm not sure that that's a smart idea. I think he might go crazy. Um, but the one that I suppose is most exciting right now is the new Harland, who is called Rasmus Hoyland. He's at Salzburg and um, just debuted for Denmark, played his first two games, scored six goals. You heard that right. He scored six goals in his first two games for Denmark. And he is quite something. Um, I think he's 19, similar in stature, not quite as big as Haaland, but who is. But a big boy, similar to Vlajevic, um, with uh, such desire um, and fight and fearlessness Boy, I'd be excited. But again, everybody wants this guy. If you haven't heard of Hoyland, spelled H-O-J, you need to go look him up because he will be somewhere other than Salzburg within six months to a year and a half, and you will know about him then. So, listen, that's enough. Plenty enough from me. It's bedtime. I haven't edited my blog. Got to do that. Got to go cook some bacon don't want to make you jealous, but uh, you're probably not jealous of American bacon because it's not very good compared to British bacon, which is excellent. Um, but getting homesick now. Don't want to cry. Arsenal just keep me high anyway. It's all good. Love and blessings.